0: Sometimes it's like, look, we're, we're trying to go here and we're doing the exact same things every day that aren't getting us there. What makes us think that we can keep doing that and get there? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just more time, more learning, whatever it is. But sometimes it's like, look, you've, you've got to do something different.
1: Welcome to UpTech Report. This is our Apply Tech series. UpTech Report is sponsored by TerraLeap. Learn how to leverage the power video at TerraLeap.io. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my guest, Andrew Sibley, who's based in Utah. He's the co-founder and CEO at eLearning Brothers. Welcome, Andrew. Good to have you on. Hi, thanks. Now, eLearning Brothers, you guys have products and services. You're all focused on helping create more engaging and effective learning. Uh, Help me understand, let's just start with the problem. Before we get to the history and learning all about what came there, what was the problem that you initially saw and and set out to solve?
0: Yeah, so basically, uh, there are lots of companies that are trying to train their employees, right? And um, typically, you know, in the early days, they were trying to go from, you know, they were doing a lot of classroom type training, and they were trying to figure out how do we do that online. And or actually, the question was, should we do it online? Should we even care? Does it work? You know, no one believed in online learning. So initially it was all around, how do we help you build online learning? And then it became more around, okay, now you've done that, but the learning is really boring. And for lack of a better adjective right now, it was just crappy learning. Right? Um, so it got all around, you know, how do we make that more engaging, more interactive? How do you build just online learning that is just... It's that can be awesome, right? And so, that was really the issue: is you know how do you how do you get learning online? Where do you start? How do you do that? But then once you do it, how do you make it engaging, interactive, fun, inspiring, and all of that? And um, so that was kind of the evolution of it. However, now it really became in the last you know year and a half with the pandemic and all that. Everyone got forced to do it online, so it was no matter you know should we do it online? It was like, hey. If you're going to onboard employees or do regulatory training, compliance training, product training, any of the sales training, uh, you don't have a choice right now. Right now, you have to do it online. And so then it really got into, okay, everyone's forced to do this. How do you get the content ready? And then how do you deliver that and get that out to the employees and customers?
1: We'll Definitely get back to that whole conversation today. That's where we are. it's no longer a question should we be doing it, and it's okay, how are you doing it? But going back to, to the history,
0: not, uh, that it that you started it is that correct? Yeah, we started the company in 2009, my brother and I did. Right. Uh, did you guys just like talk one say we, we do something like what did that look like? Yeah, so, um for us, I mean, we were both in this space. I mean, this is where we we got started, and um, I was working at J.P. Morgan Chase doing online learning there, and um, he was actually over at Wendy's, the fast food place, and working at their corporate headquarters, helping them build their online learning, doing things like the hamburger challenge and the chicken challenge and all that kind of stuff. And um, but really, uh, through a, a a big life event that that happened. Um, Kind of got forced into uh, needing to figure out, you know, how could how could he work from home and, and take care of uh, the things that he needed to do? And um, we've always had this this idea of creating a business like we'd, we'd love to do it, but we both we just hadn't done anything like that before. Um, and so, you know, start thinking about, well, what maybe we could start a business of our own and all we know how to do is online learning. You know, and he was more on the the graphic multimedia side, and I was more on the instructional design side, and um, so we said, "Why don't we do that? Why don't we start a company doing that?" And and um, you would think that the name eLearning Brothers was incredibly obvious, easy, like, "Hey, we're brothers, and we're both in e learning, so let's call the company E Learning Brothers." It wasn't. Um, there were multiple other names that were suggested and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually e-learning brothers came out. But, um, so yeah, in 2009, he was working uh, full time in the business from his basement. I was still, um, employed at Zion's bank, making good money there and just had a, had a nice job. And, um, so I was helping out, you know, as much as I could and, and lunch and evenings and stuff. And then, uh, 2010, I was able to come over full time and, um, and, and get but- going from there. But it's really us. Yeah, us working in our basements—that's where it all started—and then hired employees that would come to our basements and work at card tables and, you know, sit there. So,
1: if 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 you look back now, at the past twelve years is that right now, um, yeah. if you go back and tell yourself something that you know now, and there's there's a lot that happened in twelve years. But if you had to pick one or
0: two things, what would that be? One or two things I would tell myself, or uh, advice I'd give myself. Um, wow, I I think for us, we were so new to running our own business. Um, we didn't know anything. We knew we knew our craft, right? So we knew how to build online learning. We knew that that piece of it, but we didn't know the business side of it. And I'm not talking just like financial QuickBook stuff. Right. Um, I'm talking more around like, you know, what the structure of like, how, who is your target customer? How are you marketing to that customer? How are you, you know, gathering, nurturing those leads? What does your sales team or process look like? Yeah. You know, how do you standardize some of that digital marketing campaign? Like we didn't know any of that. And, um, so I think I would, uh, the, Maybe not the advice necessarily that I give myself, but kind of the direction i point myself in is say, hey, look, a business is more than just doing your craft, right? Lots of people are good at, you know, whatever it is they do. But the business is more than that. So it's like, how are you going to take care of the other parts of this business? How do you create a lead flow that that you can sustain? Who exactly are you trying to talk to? Um, And then another thing I've realized over time is, um, well, I've always known I'm not the smartest guy, it, you know, that's okay. But the piece is, is that, you know, as you hire additional talent, um, man, they can really help. <laughs> so, I mean, if someone that knows their craft in a certain area can really take you to new levels. And so hiring the right people, I, I is obviously we all know that's important, but, um, sometimes it's like, look, look, for your, look for your biggest issue challenge you're having in the business. And at times it's like, look, Find someone that's been there, done that, you know, that can just jump you three years ahead. You bootstrapped from the beginning with your own cash. Yep.
1: The yep. plus hiring somebody that knows what they're doing is leaps and bounds. It's great. Um, but the question is, could you have seen the value at the time of like, all right, we need to hire somebody who knows what all they're doing and bring them on board, but it's their own cash.
0: Could you have made that decision? No, (laughs) that's the, that's the issue, right? When you're bootstrapping, every penny counts. And, um, the challenge though, is it it, when, when to be frugal and cost conscious versus when do you say, you know what, if we don't go out here and spend this money, like we're just not going to get there. Right. So sometimes it's like, look, we're, we're trying to go here and we're doing the exact same things every day that aren't getting us there. What makes us think that we can keep doing that and get there? Well, I don't know. Maybe it's just more time, more learning, whatever it is. But sometimes it's like, look, you've, you've got to do something different here. And, and that might mean like going to pay big money to bring someone that knows what the heck they're doing. Um, but no, it's a, it's a challenge, right? I mean, it's, you know, we started with two computers and again, our basements. And so there wasn't a lot of cash needed. However, um, you know, especially now we bump into things where it's like, look, we need more money. It's just, that's how you solve this issue. We know what to do. We just can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So it, there's challenges on both sides. Now the, the, the growth pattern of,
1: of a team, what, what building the right team to be able to accomplish that one is, is, is know what you need, but also hiring the right people. Any lessons learned on maybe wrong hires and what to avoid and, and what you keep that your eyes up for now?
0: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had some people that were, um, were the right hire th- at, at, at that time. And then over time, um, weren't a fit anymore or, you know, things happen in life. And so, um, when you're, especially when you're a small company, all the employees, their, their lives become your life, right? So if, if someone's going through a really rough divorce or if they've got challenges with the child, medical things, um, or they just start making some choices in their life that take them down a path that isn't, isn't jiving with your culture or your business, um, or they're not happy in life. I mean, whatever it is, that person's life impacts the business in a big way when it's 10 of you, right? I mean, it's just, it does. And so suddenly, you know, there's at the times when you, you have someone on board and you're really relying on them heavily. And let's say all of a sudden they, they go through a really hard divorce and they're just, they're checked out now, right? They're just, broken for whatever reason and you have to have a conversation and say look I'm sorry this is happening but what can we do right can we make this work and sometimes that person you know might just be you know what we can't it's not fair to me it's not fair to the company like I need to check out Um, or so there are things like that happen and um what do you do as a
1: leader in those situations like how are you feeling how are you thinking how do you address those
0: Here's the thing. I mean, again, especially when you're small, these are these people become your friends. Right. And um, in our case, a lot of times they're our family as well. And so for me, the number one thing is it all comes down to to the relationship of trust. So um, I'm really big on. You need to you need to be able to trust the people that you work with. And you need to trust that they have your back, that they have the company's back, that they want to do what's best for everyone. They're not, you know, saying things behind your back that you know they they wouldn't say in front of your face. Um, that they truly care. Now, you also need to trust that they're competent in what they do. However, it's it's that for me, it's that first trust, and and that's the kind of people that I've always looked for. It's like, look, we're going to be working together a lot. Let's actually trust each other. And if we can do that, then all the conversations we have, you know what? We can just say what we need to say, and we can talk about what the real issues are in the business or whatever it is. And you know I love you. You know I, I care about you. I want the best for you. However, look, this is what's happening. Let's talk about that. And, um, and when someone can't do that or when they betray that trust, that's when it becomes really hard in the business because you need that that person needs to be genuine with you. You need to know who they are. And then um, if they can't do that and if they're lying and hiding things, then it becomes really difficult to work together, especially in, in a small team environment. Yeah. So we can give a little bit of, of one is the idea,
1: then the team, but then you also need customers and clients. And you had already hinted at having a, a – having the talent for, for marketing that effort, what would you say – was a lesson learned or, or a tactic that really worked for you guys and to be able to scale and start to acquire more and more customers?
0: Getting a sales team. <laughs> that sounds, maybe sounds stupid, but again, um, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I still don't know what I don't know, right? Um, did you hire so,
1: like, like a head of sales, like right out, out the gate? Or did you hire just a junior salesperson and try to
0: like show
1: them and then they take it from there. What was your approach?
0: Not even that. I mean, what we did early on was we, uh, you know, we built templates and assets. So we were selling things on a website. And so um, it was all just us writing blogs and hopefully people would find our content, right. And pay us, you know, 50 bucks and download a template. So kind of fun and sort of addicting as well though, because we use an old service called e junkie and I don't even know if it's around anymore, but, E-Junkie is like the perfect name for it because anytime a sale would come in, you get an email from E-Junkie that would say, Hey, you got money. And it you know it was almost like getting, a, getting a drug and you're like, "Ah, oh, I got a sale. Um, but it was, uh, that was our model early on. Right. And um, it was helping people find that website. We go to conferences and stuff like that. And, you know, we'd, you will know, wake up in the morning, check your email. You're like, I made money while I slept last night this is amazing. Uh, and I would often think about, you know, those late night infomercials, I don't know, it's Tony Robbins, whoever it is. Right. And they're like, you too can make money, you know, in your sleep, you know, with, with only two hours of work every day, you know, whatever it was, but, um, but that was our model. Yeah. And that's fine and all that. But as the business grew, it was like, look, you, you know, we were doing a decent amount online um, but there were a lot of other things we wanted to sell and other places we wanted to go. So when I hired a sales leader and said, okay, look, I'd actually, we need a sales team of some kind, right? And when I was able to bring in a sales leader that just been there, done that, it's like, look, I do sales all day long. I was like, wow, you've opened my eyes to like, that's a whole profession, right? Of sales, like, oh, it's more than just being a nice guy and getting on the phone. I'm like, there's you know actual things you're like, Again, arts of the craft. Um, so anyway, that was a big step for us, like getting some people in there that really know what they're doing. Um, now I couldn't hire a you know three hundred thousand dollar CRO or whatever it is. We had to start where we could, but um, yeah, hiring a sales team was a big thing for us.
1: Then fast forward and be able to, to sell, actually where did, like that. How many years were you running just uh, the kind of product led? Check like our, our software on the line or. Content online versus then getting your salesperson. Oh,
0: I don't know, probably two years, something like that.
1: Okay, and and then you 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 start to, to scale. What was uh uh some of the if you think of the lessons learned of what people started to, to, to grab hold of like like what what year did e learning you just see to, to take off or was it already taking off in two thousand nine? Like was Easy Sale like oh yeah, we want this.
0: It was, I mean, it was doing well. Um, The, I'm trying to think for us, you'll probably, you know, 2012, 2013 is where things started to click. And um, I guess, I mean, you say click, but you know, for any, any entrepreneur, I think that's growing a business, it's like, Hey, it's nice where we're at, but you're never content where it's at. Right. You're always, you always see the potential and you're like, man, it could be so much more. So we you know we we're always pushing for that, so I, you know I'm I'm never at ease feeling like it's just working. I always see it. and I'm like, okay, that's great, we got here. However, let's focus on what's next. And so it, there's always this uneasiness inside that says, oh man, we should be a lot further along than we are.
1: And you think that's a good thing to have that that unease inside?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends how you handle it in your personal life, but um, I uh, I do. I mean, I'm I'm never just. I'm never content with where we're at. It's just, we should be a billion dollar business, right? But we're not like, why aren't we, (laughs) you know, it's like the potential's there, the market's there, the people that are talented. So, um, I don't, I always feel that, that urge inside to keep pushing harder.
1: This, this, uh, the, the desire to keep growing, um, how, how does that show up in the team then? How how do you best any lessons learned on building the right culture? How big is your team today? We're about one hundred and fifty employees. One hundred and fifty. So setting that mindset of of growth and vision. Is there any uh, tactics or uh, ways that have worked well for you to keep that uh, the the vision and
0: culture together as a team? Yeah, I mean that's challenging. We've we've acquired three companies over the past you know just under a year and a half, and so. Um, that is a challenge and especially challenging right now when we're not able to, or haven't been able to get together much, if at all face to face and, and drive that. So, um, that is challenging. And, you know, I guess part of what I, I, I guess the thought I prescribed to you right now is, um, look, you've got to come up with a vision and, and decide what you'd like to do. However, I always tell my team, I do reserve the right to change my mind. So it's like, look, Let's go do this, and that's great, and we're going to go that route until something tells us that we shouldn't do that anymore or that there's a better way to do it or whatever it is so we can, we can deviate. But you got to choose something, right, and you have to go for it. Um, on the culture piece, I think, again, for me, a lot of it boils down to lately is um, being able to pop around to different groups and keep reminding them of what we're trying to do and then also getting in there and um and not not a pep talk necessarily but going in and and when you know we're all feeling overworked and we're feeling like you know there's just we're pushing really hard and sometimes it just doesn't seem to work but to be able to go in there and say hey guys look just i understand that we're having lots of hard things i get it i'm with you it's hard for everyone however remember like where we're going is this, like, we're like, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be hard. And guess what? We're going to do more and more and more. And so it's always going to be challenging. However, you know, like we're trying to be like the best learning technology business in the world. So it's like, we've, we've got amazing things we're going after. And um, so I think people, yeah. Well, and, And the thing is, Hey, look, if you want easy and calm and everything's the same every day when you walk in, and um you're kind of doing the same job and it's just you know you sleep easily every night this probably isn't the business to be in, right a small company that's pushing really hard to grow it's crazy and it's chaotic if you like that great if you don't well go hide in some big company somewhere and just you know work 20 hours a week and you know eat lunch the rest of the time and, and hide there but you know, that's no, not what that's not what we're
1: trying to do. <laughs> making sure people re- realize the reality of, of in in your type of uh, yeah, size of business, what happens. You mentioned uh, just a second ago all the acquisitions that you've done. Now, uh, help me understand. So, you know, where you began two thousand nine, being able to to hire a sales team, and just a couple of years later, and then a lot happened <laughs> in between there. But you 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 bootstrap for a long time, but then you you did raise some some funds. With with mentality of, of
0: acquisition, can you speak to that that plan? Yeah, um, so we basically bootstrapped for about just over ten years, and then um, you know we got to a point where um, the product that we were pushing really hard it was kind of becoming commoditized a bit in this market, and it was it wasn't as unique and special as it used to be. And so, you know, we saw that and we either partnered with companies and they had our product embedded or others were just, you know, building their own stuff and they didn't need us. So looking at that, it was basically like, okay, well, you know, we've got a couple options. You can just take a product like that and just milk it for all the cash you possibly can and just kind of write it, write it down. And um, or you can say, no, that's not the route we want to go and we want to grow and you can build new products or acquire different things or whatever it is. Can you just take me to that
1: moment for a second of like, were you guys sitting in like a boardroom on a corporate retreat and realizing this? Like, do you remember that moment you had this conversation trying to figure this out?
0: No, it's more of an evolution, right? So Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a bit to wrap your brain around what's happening. Sometimes you're so close, right? And so you're pushing really hard on certain things. And you're like, why am I not getting the results I used to get? And suddenly, you know, maybe you start looking at things and you start piecing together some information and conversations and all that. And you're like, well, oh, well, maybe it's this other thing that I'm, I just wasn't thinking about. And so for us, it, it was kind of a, an evolution like that. And we had so when, it, when I kind of came to that that decision in my head, I basically said, look, well, I guess the decision too. You write it. You can kind of write it to the ground a little bit and just kind of get the cash and sock it away, and um, you know try to try to make sure that things work in the future. Or you can sell your business, right? You can sell it to a strategic or something like that, and, and um, tuck yourself in somewhere. Um, or the other thing is, I'm like, well, everyone's getting purchased in this world. Why can't we do that? Like, why why can't we be the ones that go acquire the businesses and grow that way? And so instead of going deeper in our one product, why can't we go on a, a, you know, more breadth and instead of taking customers, you know, taking care of their learning right here, why can't we take care of all of their learning needs mm-hmm. across building all the content and also delivery tracking of all the content. And so that was where I said, you know what, that's what I would like to do. And, um, you know, I had to make some adjustments on our team. Um, we had to part way with some people that, uh, I had to pull out of some other areas that we were doing some partnership stuff and, and just said, look, we, as a business, we need to do this other thing. And that's really where I want to take it. And um, if you love to do that, awesome. And if you can be on board with that, phenomenal. Then let's go do it. If you don't, and that's not what you want to do, that's okay. We could still be friends, but you need to go do something else. And, um, and so we did have some change. We exited some people. And um, I basically said, "This is the plan I want to do." And then I went to the investors and said, "This is the plan." And um, I was lucky enough to find uh, an investment group, actually two investment groups, that said, "Hey, that plan sounds great." And uh, so we went ahead and brought on equity.
1: Did you and, already know uh, that already have these relationships with these equity companies? Were you cultivating? How, what did that? How did that turn turn
0: Obviously, I mean, we'd have we'd had investment companies chasing us for years. Um, But uh, this particular one I had met through a different process and um, went back to them and said, Hey, here's how we've restructured some things. And what do you think about this new plan? And they said, yeah, we like that one a lot better. Um, So I I learned, I I learned some good lessons on the first round that we, we went through, but, uh, but yeah, so I took it to them and they said, look, well, what companies would you like to purchase? And I said, well, here's the plan and here are the companies I've known these owners for many, many years. So all the companies that we've been buying, I'm I'm friends and I've, I'm I've known their companies for a long time. And um, so we've been able to go in there and say, OK, how do we do this together, guys? And uh, and, you know, we have more acquisitions coming and it's we're not stopping. Let's speak to
1: a couple of ones that you, you've done that, if you can, just for a moment. Um, There's a gamification, a VR training platform as well. Um, mm-hmm. what's your mentality of where you're headed? Like, what are you excited about? Why these, these. Acquisitions?
0: Yeah. Um, so for me, if you look at corporations, so we typically, I mean, we deal with businesses, you know, 95% of our business. So this is, it's, it's companies. Um, you know, a lot of them are U S based, but some are international as well, but they're all trying to figure out, you know, how do you train your employees and your, and your customers? Um, one of their big challenges, though, is, look, you can't, right now, you typically can't go to one company to get all that taken care of, right? You have, you have all of this training content that you either have to build or you have to buy off the shelf from somewhere or you have to get someone to build it for you. So you have all these content needs. And then you also need to put it on a platform to host it, deliver it, track it, and do all that kind of stuff. And then in the middle of all of that, you say, okay, well, man, I want to build, like, Really inter- interactive type content. I want to build mobile learning. I want to do VR stuff. I want to try gaming. Maybe there's chatbot, you know, stuff you want to look at. Like all these things you want to do. Right now in our in our world, there's not one company that you, let's say you're um uh well Walmart, right? Let's say you're Walmart and you want to take care of all those training needs, you have to go to like five different companies. And so for us, we the story is hey, look. Let's start building out this entire solution where it's a company can come to us and say, hey, e-learning brothers, I want to build my own content. And we have we have tools where they can build their own content, build your own VR, build your own games. Or they can say, no, we want you guys to build it. So we'll build it all for them. And so they can take all this content need. And then if they have a platform, awesome. We work with tons of platforms out there to you know to deliver content. But if they don't, we can say, hey, look, we also have a platform to deliver all of that learning. And so we really wanted to, to create the whole solution where we could take care of all of that if the customer needed it. Um, our other belief is that I think a lot of companies say this, but I don't know if they truly believe it. But, you know, we really believe that there's tons of business out there. Right. And we, we fully understand that um, companies are dealing with lots of different learning providers and we have no issue with that. So we, we would love to help you where we can. Chances are, the other vendors you're using, we probably know them well, and we're probably friends with them. And so, we partner with our competitors all the time, and we'll do webinars together, do different things. And I think you get more business from being friendly with each other and working together on things than you ever get being siloed and and trying to you know fight against all the other people. You don't you don't worry about competition you really see it that that way. Some people don't, but. Again, I, I've been in this industry my whole life, basically. you know, Over 20 years now, that's all I do is learning. And um, I know a lot of the the owners that have built these businesses. They're wonderful people. And um, you know what? They're all just trying to build a business like we are. And um, there's plenty of spaces for us to collaborate and, and partner.
1: What are you most excited about in the future of e-learning? Like where it's headed? And you've mentioned a few pieces, but like if you were to – Pontificate with me for a moment of, of where e learning is headed. What do you? What does
0: it look like? As an industry, is that your question? Yeah. Um, so a lot of what's happening now is is what's called upskilling and reskilling, right? So we know that right now the labor labor market's tight, right? And it's hard to find employees, and um, and and things change so quickly now, so to be able to upskill someone into different jobs, right? To be able to take someone and help them understand how do, I, how do I learn new skills to get into different areas? So, or how do I reskill them? Because what you're doing today may be totally different tomorrow, right? The tech, the tech that you use, the process you use, um, whatever it is. So you need to upskill your employees. You need to reskill your employees. So we're seeing a ton of that. Um, and then the other big thing is learning in the flow. Now, I believe, and um, this is uh, Christian Wiebel, our chief product officer. He talks a lot about this. Learning needs to be where you are, right? We shouldn't have to have you go to a place to do learning. Learning should be where you already live in your job. So, for example, if your communication platform that you're using every day is Slack, well, when you're in Slack, you're learning your next learning, whatever it is, everything should just be like right there, one click, and you're in the middle of your learning. Or if you're um, out in the field working on, um, I don't know, maybe you're uh, out working on oil and gas lines. But when you're out there, and you need help, and you need to be learning in that moment, it should be in the flow of that job, you should have a way to actually, you know, hold your phone up over something and the augmented reality, it's just showing you like the different parts and pieces. And you click right now to go get your coach help, or you click right now to be able to see something. And so we, you know, we believe in, you know, learning again, in the flow of your job, learning should not be a separate event. It should be part of your job and workflow. The, the
1: concept of, of how learning continues to evolve or what happens where you are um, applies in so many different ways. I'm also curious about you as, as, as a leader, what you've learned over these years of, would you say what has changed in where your time is spent the way, the way you look at, at your, your, your day and you, and you go about it. Um, how, how do you look on an average day for you today compared to
0: where it was? Um, so the hours I spend are pretty much the same. Um, I'm, I'm really big on uh, my dad would always say, right. You work to live. You don't live to work. Work is extremely important, but it really at the end of the day, work is what's, putting food on the table, taking care of the families and all that kind of stuff. And um, so, you know, it's uh, my hours are fairly normal hours. It's rare that I'm working on Saturdays and I'm never working on Sundays. And um, it's it's a it's a balance you have to have. I mean, if you can only run for so long, not taking care of a certain part of your life until it's going to implode. And, um, you know, it makes me a, a a bit sad. I run into entrepreneurs at times and they're like, man, I. I live at the office. I've got a bed under my desk and whatever it is. And and I start talking to them more and I'm like, yeah, they're divorced. Their kids hate them. And, you know, they're just not happy, but business is doing well. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of sacrificed Probably the thing that you thought was most important to you and why you were actually doing the business was take care of your family, but it ended up, you know, getting rid of your family. So I'm, I'm big on trying to balance that. So for me, it's, there's family responsibility, there's business responsibility and there's, you know, spiritual church type responsibility. And for me, those three legs need to be intact. And, um, together, all of those allow me to, to take care of all the other ones. And so there's a, there's a time and a place to do all of them. And you want, at times they encroach on each other and that's fine, but that can't be the norm, right? When it's, when it's business hours, I need to take care of the business stuff and try to get that done. If it's, if it's Sunday, Well, for me personally, then, okay, that's not business time. That needs to be something else.